Your strength that found me at my weakest Your grace poured out at my despair When I feel lifeless, tired, burned out and defeated Your perfect love will find me Thank you for those that, that are here. We pray with God for those that, that couldn't make it this morning. We pray that you would just uh, hold them up, lift them up, Lord. And uh, We just want to uh, pray for Brother Darrell as he comes to deliver your word. God, open our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. first degree son of God hanging on a hill hell was my destiny crowd was shouting crucify 
could have come from these lips of mine the dirty shame was killing me it would take a miracle to wash me clean then i read the red Begin to be. Breath of God filled my lungs, and the Holy Ghost awakened me. Yeah, the Holy Ghost awakened me. When I read the red letters in the ground. To die for me, arms spread wide for the whole wide world. His arms spread wide where mine should be. Jesus changed my destiny. Today. Amen. Shackles of all my failures 
If you have your Bible, let's go to Hebrews chapter 9 as we go through the book of Hebrews on Sundays. Last time, I believe we looked at Hebrews 9, 1 through 14. I just want to catch verse 14 again and then one more verse, verse 15. So Hebrews 9, 14 and 15. I'm sure you don't remember unless you really think about it, but the last time we uh, looked at the conscience 
talked about that. Uh, one thing I think kind of centered in on the conscience being the seat of our personality, but the conscience, this area that the Lord speaks through, uses to talk to us on the inside. Anyway, that was uh, a lot of what we centered in on the last time on verse 14. So I want to use that and then go on to one more thought and just just stay at verse 15. So 14 says in Hebrews 9, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? All right. Verse 15, And for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant. There's the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and there's the New Covenant, the New Testament. He's the mediator of the New Covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the First Covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So let's just stay at verse 15 a second before we move on. And I want to use some other words that maybe help us with this. He's the, he is the mediator, the go-between. He's the mediator between man and the Father, between man and man and God. He's the mediator of the new covenant by means of death. Jesus died for the redemption. Redemption means to, to buy back, to redeem, to buy back, to pay for. So by death, he's, he is the mediator that by death, by his death, he bought back, he redeemed, he paid for because of our transgressions, another, another word for that is simply sin. So you could take that verse and just making sure we understand it, Jesus is the, is the mediator, the go-between, the one who leads us toward, helps us get there, uh, the go-between between man and God, because, and by his death he did that because uh, to pay for, to redeem, to pay for our sins. The mediator, the way, the door, died to pay for our sins. Um, let's go on. The title of the message today is Sin is Work. And there's the title. You see it on the screen. And we're going to come back to that at the end. I'm going to come back around to that. Uh, so, as we work our way down, and there is an, uh, an outline on the backside of your announcements if you'd like to use that. Before we come back to talk about a little bit more sin as work, I want to talk about this issue of sin in our life. Uh, so if you're looking at your outline, sin brings separation. I think in Tony's class a couple weeks ago, they talked about this quite a bit. Sin, sin brings separation, and it's Isaiah 59, 2. Look closely at Isaiah 59 too. It's on your screen. You can look at it in your own Bible if you want to. But your iniquities, uh, as we said, uh, transgressions is a long word for sin. Iniquities is a long word for sin. So your iniquities, your sins have separated you from God and your sins have, have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Your sins, your iniquities have separated you from your God. I, the point, a big point of the message to, today that I'll come back to again and again is uh, we have a cultural t tendency, and I'm afraid it's becoming a Christianized tendency, to make sin not a big deal. 
Like it's just not that big, big of a deal. And we, we categorize sin, don't we? That's why we came up with the term little white lie. I don't know who started that. Don't know where it came from. Little white lie when uh, there is no such thing. And, but we categorize, and I know no matter what I say, we're still going to do that. I just want you to know God doesn't do that. That's not, he's, he's not into that. It's, it's, it's all sin. But we tend to categorize it as big sins, small sins. And I understand that in the culture we live in, there's things, some sins definitely have more consequences. They harm people more than other sins do. But it's still sin, and I want you to really feel that. I want you to know that. According to Scripture, it's our sin that has separated us from God. So our sin brings a separation. That's why, if you're looking at your outline, we need, we need a mediator. Okay, So we need a mediator. The, the distance is so great, the gulf is so wide, that sin has, has created that we need somebody to help us find our way back in uh, was it first timothy chapter 2 verse 5 there's one god and one mediator between god and man the man christ jesus uh over and over we're going to come back to this thought that it's impossible that god looks at our sin and just shrugs his shoulders and says oh well it's not that bad it is that it is that bad and we're going to use the illustration of of eve quite a bit when Eve picked the piece of fruit and ate it, uh, I say often Eve did not pick a bushel of fruit. She just picked one, okay? So that one piece of fruit, that one little white lie, that one disobedience, that one transgression, that one iniquity, that one sin, that's the separation between God and man. That gulf is so great we need somebody to help us back, help us to him. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. God can't just shrug his shoulders and say, that's okay. Um, God is not your grandpa. God does not just let his grandchildren do everything they want to, want to do. God, that's, that's not who God is. There's, there's consequences for sin. If you're looking at your outline, sin brings death. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death sin brings death the wages of sin is death now, it doesn't matter the size of the sin I, I hate to just keep I don't want to just harp on that but it doesn't matter the size of the sin sin brings death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord so the wages of sin the consequence of sin is death and that's why Jesus had to die I think sometimes it's easy to forget or to want I've had quite a few people ask me, Jesus dying on a cross and Jesus being, being tortured, nailed to a cross, that's so extreme. Why did he have to do that? Because sin is so extreme. The wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Death to pay for death. Death to pay for for death. It took that much. It costs that much. And the word cost goes on to our next thought. Sin brings death. Debt. Sin brings death. But sin brings debt. And that's and simply comes from that verse. That's what redemption 
means. It's that, that need and that, re, that requirement to pay back. God can't just shrug his shoulders and pretend that we didn't sin. So death, sin brings death. Jesus' death paying for our death. Sin brings debt, and it's a debt that I cannot pay, and so Jesus paid that debt with his, with his life. It's extreme because, that's, because sin is extreme. And the last line or the last screen that we'll see until we go back to, to sin is work is the physical law. You should have learned this in school, okay? Every action, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So when two forces meet, there's a reaction. And so the, the, the action of Jesus dying on a cross is the reaction for what we have done, okay? Now, let's go back to the title. Sin is work, okay? I want to go to the story. There, there won't be anything more on the, on the screen. I want to go to the story of, of Adam and Eve, and, uh, and Eve especially. I want to just, I want to slow down a little bit right here. I want you to think about the story of Adam and Eve. You've read that story often. And so Eve's in the garden. Everything's fine. And uh, God has told them that, that they can eat out of every tree, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you cannot eat from it. There's just one tree. If you have ever thought or wondered where it was the first choice, that's the first moral choice. It's right there. The ability to sin started right there. You can eat from every tree, but there's one tree you cannot eat from, and if you do eat from that tree, you will die. The wages of sin is death. The result, the consequence of disobeying God is death. So there's that one tree. So Eve's in the garden. Apparently she's by herself on a certain day, and Satan begins to talk to her, whisper in her ear, however he did that. Satan begins to tempt her, and he talks to her about that tree. Sin is work. It takes work to sin, real sin. <laughs> Not just mistakes, sin, disobeying God. So I want you to imagine, uh, the Bible doesn't tell us how long it took, but I know myself, and I know people a little bit, and I know that temptation takes a little time, takes a little while. So I want you to imagine in your mind that as Eve is looking at that tree and Satan is whispering in her ear, that she doesn't just automatically take from the fruit right then, but it takes a little while. Why? Because she knows it's wrong. Sin is work. You got to work at it. And so Satan keeps tempting her. Let's just say, let's, let's imagine that it takes maybe several days. Because most of the time, we don't sin at that first temptation. It takes a little while. And Satan keeps working at her and working at her. And he knows very well that it's probably not going to work the first time. I'm going to tell this about the only time you're ever going to hear me say this. You could take some lessons from Satan, okay, in how, how is that. He doesn't give up that easy, okay. We tend to give up too quickly. He doesn't. 
So he keeps working at her, and he keeps working at her, and she's looking at that tree, and she knows it's wrong, so she doesn't do, she doesn't do anything. She doesn't take from, that, from the fruit the first day, but he keeps at her, and he keeps whispering in her, in her mind, and maybe for several days she's looking at that tree, and she's, and this, just that, this, that temptation, just God is keeping something from you. This is, this is good, and, and you know how that temptation went, and, and I'm not concentrating on, on that. I'm concentrating on the amount of time that it, that it took and just this work that it took to sin. So she, she looks at that tree, and she walks around the, walks around the tree and, and, and just, well, I don't know, and this back and forth. Isn't that the way it works? This back and forth, I don't know. I, I, I know I'm not supposed to, but I want to, and something's telling me that, that it's better. Something's telling me that it's going to be okay. Something's telling me there's nothing wrong with it, that it's okay. And so day after day, and finally, she's convinced. She's convinced herself that it's okay. And so she takes one piece of fruit, not a bushel, just one. And immediately when she bites into that fruit, she begins to die. Death begins its cycle of work, right, in her. Sin is work. Death, uh, sin brings death. Sin works death. And so that's how this temptation works. It doesn't happen just like that. It doesn't happen the first time, most of the time. It is, there's, a, there's a progression of work, and you think about it. In, all right, now, that's Eve, and she takes that fruit in her hand. Now, the Bible makes it very plain that, that Eve was deceived. Adam wasn't. Eve was deceived. Adam wasn't. When Eve took the uh, apparently Adam was not there. She took the fruit, took a bite, took the fruit in, in her hand, took it to Adam, said, hey, here. Take some. Adam looked at that. He knows exactly what it is. He knows exactly what he knows where it comes from. He knows exactly what she and it had to be Eve. What have you done, Eve? What have you done? Why did you Why did you do that? Now, that doesn't happen real quickly, either. He looks at that. What's Adam's choice? He sees the fruit. He knows the result, the consequence of eating that fruit is death and it's separation from God. He knows that. That's why he hasn't done it. He looks at that and, and he knows the result of taking it, separation from God and death. What's the result of not eating it? Separation from who? Eve. If he eats it, it's separation from God. If he doesn't eat it, it's separation from Eve. I have no idea how long it took him. But I know me, and I know other people who, who wrestle with temptation and the, and the effects of sin and just the whole issue of, of sin, and it's, it takes a while. It's work. It's a, it's a, it's a, there's a process to it, a progress to it. It's work. And he must have looked at that fruit, and, and I've got to think about this. <laughs> I've got to think about this. What do I do? And so I don't know how it went, 
But Eve knows that she's condemned, that she's dying, and her husband isn't yet. So there's this separation. See, Eve's problem is that she's got a separation from God now, and she's also got a separation from her husband now. Have you ever known people who are deep in sin who try to get you to go deep in sin with them? You ever known that? You ever seen that? You ever seen a drunk who doesn't like to drink, drink alone and wants you to be drunk with them? You ever seen somebody just so steeped in sin and they hate who they are, they hate where they're at, they hate what they're like, and they want to bring you down with them? It's always going to be like that. People trying to bring you down to where they are. They're working at that. They're trying at that. And it might be your workplace, your school. It might be in your own home. It might be in your church. I want you to come down to where I'm at. I want you to come down to where I'm at. People are always, look, every every relationship in your life, that person's either trying to lift you up or pull you down. Every relationship in your life, that person is, 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 either, is either above you and they're trying to lift you up or that person is below you trying to pull you down. Every child should be, by the nature of a child, trying to pull their parent down to where they are, okay? Because they're not, they're, they're not adults yet. So they're always what? Testing you. Always testing you. I, I don't understand my child. He's always said, yeah, because he's a child. That's what, chi- that's what children do. Every relationship's either going to try to pull you down or lift you up. What's your relationships like? Eve has this problem now, the dual problem, separation from God and separation from her husband. She doesn't know what to do about the separation from God. What she do about the separation from her husband? Try to pull him down to where she is. Adam still has this choice. But if I, if I choose Eve, I can't choose God. If I choose God, I can't choose Eve. And on and on the progression goes and the sin work goes. And of course... He chose Eve. And they both now together began to die. And that's us. We are the children of Adam and Eve. And the only remedy for their problem and our problem is Jesus Christ, the mediator, taking our place and helping us back to the Father by dying to pay for our sin debt that brought death. Can you think of another way? Can you think of another cure? What else is going to work to pay that sin debt? But the perfect man, the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ, filled that gap. He's the one who leads us to the Father because he's the only one who can. But back to sin is work. Because that, that's how sin works. There's that thought. There's that voice in your head that, that this is okay. This isn't going to hurt you. This isn't that bad. Everybody says it's bad, but it's not that bad. And on and on the, the process goes and the work goes. Um, I've used this story in a lot of different ways. Uh, read a story about uh, three c- cadets at West Point. 
So you got three cadets in a room at West Point, uh, all three best friends. And uh, every cadet at West Point's poor, you know. So uh, one of the cadets in the dorm room has a car, and the other two don't. So they have an arrangement. They're all best friends. The one who has a car tells, tells the other two, hey, you can use the car any time you want to. He hangs the keys up on a nail, okay? There's, there's the keys. You can borrow the, borrow the car any time you want. That was the arrangement made. Somebody in the, in the administration wants to get rid of one of the cadets, one of them that doesn't have a car. And so they hatch up this plan when they know the, that the cadet they want to get rid of when he reaches for the keys and takes his car, go and take his girlfriend out to eat, whatever it is. So he takes the car out. They find out about it, and they, 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 uh, there's a term in the service. I can't think of what it's called. But they arrest him, charge him with stealing. Well, it's not stealing. It's not sin because there's already, already an arrangement. You can have the keys anytime you want to. But they charge him with stealing, and in court they ask him point blank, did you ask permission to take that car that day? Did you ask permission to take that car that day? And I don't, I don't want to concentrate on that, but the answer is no. That's not how it worked. We had permission, but I said, no, no, no. Did, did you ask permission for that car that day? No. So, so anyway, they've got him up on charges. Well, that's not sin because he had permission. I don't want to concentrate on that. I just want you to know that, that he had permission to get the keys. There's no problem at all to take the keys. He could take the keys anytime he chose to. It's fun to take the keys, go out on a date, what, whatever. No problem. No conscience didn't bother him at all to take those keys. Now, here's part of the story that's not part of the story. I'm going to add this to it. Let's imagine that you are a cadet in another dorm room, not part of the three, you don't have permission to take those keys anytime you want to. You're a cadet in another room. Let's imagine that you find out that those keys are hanging up on that nail. And you find out that none of the three cadets that have permission are in the room. And you want those keys to that car. What do you do? The cadet that took the keys on that day, he just swiped the keys, went out, took his girlfriend out. No, no problem. No, didn't have to think about it. Didn't, it's fun. But the cadet in the other room that wants those keys that doesn't have permission, what's he do? He has to wait until the coast is clear. He has to sneak around. He's got to sneak up to the door. He's got to try the doorknob, just see if any, he's got to knock on the door, let's see if anybody's home first. He's got to get this plan, he's got to work a plan to sin. He's got to look both ways, he's got to knock on the door just to see if anybody's home. He's got to sneak around, he's got to make sure nobody sees him. And then he's got to sneak in there, connive in there, break in there to get those keys. The person who has permission to get the keys doesn't have to do any of that. The person who doesn't have, the person who's sinning, 
has to work at it, has to sneak around. How do I know if it's wrong? Are you working at it? Do you have to work at it? Do you care if anybody sees it? Do you care if anybody else knows it? Then there's a real, real good chance it's sin. The real good chance. Eve had to walk around that tree. She could go to any other tree she wanted to, just pick a piece of fruit and go. No, no problem. That's, that's fun. She could pick as much fruit of any other tree as she chose to. She doesn't have to sneak around. She doesn't have to wonder about it. Her conscience is completely clear. Pick as much fruit, any other tree you, you want to. You don't have to sneak. You don't have to walk around. You don't have to look over your shoulder. You don't have to wonder, what does Adam think? What does God think? Because God's already said it's okay. But that thing that you're doing, that you've got to sneak around. You've got to close your laptop quick. You've got to look over your shoulder both ways. You've got, to, you've got to tap the door, see if anybody's home first. That's work. That's sin. There's a lot of other ways to describe sin. That's sin. Well, it's no big deal. Hey, that's like saying Jesus dying on a cross is no big deal, and you know it is. And so, yeah, that sin is a big deal. It brings separation from God. It costs Jesus his life on the cross. Our culture keeps telling you it's no big deal. But the scriptures tell us very plainly it's a very big deal. There's a, it required a mediator to give his life to pay for your sin. Somewhere along the line... It is bothering your conscience or you wouldn't have to be looking over your shoulder. Or you wouldn't have to be knocking on the door to see if anybody's home. Why do you have to go through all that? Because it's bothering your conscience. Let's be clean. Let's clear our conscience. The thing that no one knows about right now, the Holy Spirit knows it. The thing that no one sees right now, God sees it. The thing that, that you won't tell anybody else, you don't have to tell God because he already knows it. And so you and I both, me too, I have to go through the process sometimes of, of clearing and cleaning my conscience. What do I do? I take that sin, whatever it is, I confess it. I don't care if anybody else knows it or sees it. doesn't make any difference. But I take that sin and I lay it before Jesus Christ saying, Lord, I've sinned. I've sin I have sinned. I did it. It's not anybody else's fault. It's mine. And Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's his, I mean, that's all, yeah, that's it. You don't work to clean it. You don't work to clear it. Jesus did that. And so it's taking your sins, yourself before him. Say, Jesus, here I am. I'm asking you to clean me, to clear me. I'm asking you to forgive me. 
in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand, and musicians going to come. It's going to be our prayer time. I tell you what, uh, every time I preach a message like this, I know very well people don't want to come to the altar. Why? Because if I come to the altar, people are going to think I've sinned. You know what? I already think that. <laughs> you know why? Because it's true. <laughs> and I don't mean to make light of it. But somehow, we get in our head that, I don't know, we're the only ones. I'm the only one in the room. Every, all, that's why the Bible says, all have sinned. And come short of the glory. And I'm not trying to make light at all, but I'm I am trying to make you feel at home. <laughs> I'm trying to make you feel at home because you're at home with everyone in the room who has sinned. I struggle with it. You struggle with it. You don't know about the things I struggle with, and I don't know about the things you struggle with. But the truth is, we all do. And there are many times, many times, I just need to go to an altar. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I tell you, if nobody else in the room needs it, I need that. And so, yeah, there's times we just, we and I, we just need to go to the altar and pray and say, Lord, I've got this thing going on. I've got this temptation temptation I've got I, I just need help and I need you to forgive me so while the music plays if you need to come to an altar and pray that's what this time is Lord Jesus I confess to you I lay my sin at this altar and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin it's as simple as that Lord Jesus I confess to you that I have sinned and I lay it on this altar right here. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. If you need to come and pray, come.